You're listening to Reach MDXM 233, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Maurice Pickard, your host, and with me today is Dr. Teresa Woodruff, the Thomas J. Watkins Memorial Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology, Feinberg School of Medicine, also the Chairman of the Division of Fertility Preservation, the Director for the Institute for Women's Health Research, and the Director of Basic Science in the Robert H. Lurie Comprehensive Cancer Center of Northwestern University. Thank you, Dr. Woodruff, for joining us today. You're welcome. What I'd like to begin with is what is actually meant by fertility preservation? Well, it, it means that for an individual who is facing a life-preserving treatment, for example, chemotherapy or radiation treatment for a cancer diagnosis, that for a young person, that same life-preserving treatment may in fact threaten their fertility. So fertility preservation reflects the idea that we can preserve a gamete for either a male or a female and hold that until they are ready to use it sometime later in life. What exactly is available for those patients at the present time? Well, it again differs for men and women. For men and for pubertal boys, the option is to bank their sperm at the time of diagnosis and prior to beginning treatment. And the best example of someone who has done this and is in the public eye is uh, Lance Armstrong. And Lance is a seven-time Tour de France winner, but also was diagnosed with testicular cancer that was already broadly metastatic at the time of uh, the detection of that disease. And he was advised on the day of his diagnosis to uh, cryopreserve uh, or to freeze a semen sample before entering into the protocol of both chemotherapy and radiation that ultimately saved his life. He has now three children as a cancer survivor that were born after uh, in vitro fertilization using those cryopreserved sperm and uh, oocytes from his, from his wife. So for men, the option is really quite good. The sperm is easy to uh, both collect and to preserve, and IVF is a very mature technology uh, providing terrific options for men uh, with a cancer diagnosis. For women, the options are somewhat different. Whereas the male germ cell, the sperm, can be easily accessed in large numbers that can be cryopreserved, the oocyte is somewhat more limited resource. So for women, there is a single mature egg that is ovulated once a month. And on the day of a cancer diagnosis, the timing of that menstrual cycle is really indeterminate. Secondly, that egg is not easy to come by. It is interior to the, um, either the ovary or within the fallopian tubes. And so accessing uh, a mature egg requires laparoscopy. Additionally, then, that egg, even if it's retrieved, that mature gamete, uh, is very difficult to cryopreserve. The sperm is the smallest cell in the body, whereas the egg is one of the largest or the largest cell in the body, and in fact is largely composed of, of water. And so freezing a large sack of water will very easily then upon thawing destroy both the membranes and the chromosome uh, and spindle material. 
So that's been a, a real difficulty, the access to the cell type and the inability to really uh, preserve it. So recently, uh, in the last several years, we've developed a program called the Oncofertility Program, marrying together oncologists together with fertility specialists to pro- try and provide a variety of options, of realistic options, for women with a cancer diagnosis. And the first option is to, in fact, in some cases, for young women that have a cancer diagnosis, they can, in fact, wait and delay chemotherapy and radiation while they undergo a round of in vitro fertilization. Essentially, they are stimulated with uh, traditional hormones that uh, an infertile woman would be given to induce a large number of eggs that can be retrieved laparoscopically And then, given that she has a sperm donor of some sort, a husband or a boyfriend or donor sperm, those eggs can be fertilized, and the embryos then banked for her later use. Embryos can be cryopreserved fairly easily. So in vitro fertilization is, in fact, a mature technology, and the only downside for the cancer patient is that she must wait for Uh, the several weeks it takes to stimulate mature eggs. We also are developing methods that a young cancer patient could cryopreserve a piece of the ovary. So rather than delaying treatment, which for some individuals is not an option, as well as for some patients who have hormonally responsive cancers, for example, breast cancers, they may not wish to uh, undergo an IVF induction cycle. So for these cases, an option would be to remove one ovary or part of an ovary and cryopreserve that tissue. Now, interestingly, the immature follicle, which is present within the ovary of a woman waiting for the signals to uh, induce it to grow to the point where it can ovulate, those immature follicles can be cryopreserved fairly easily. The real difficulty and the challenge in the field of reproductive biology is that those immature follicles could not be matured easily once they had been recovered from the the ovary. And so currently the option for women who cryopreserve an ovary is to undergo a transplant of the tissue back into the, uh, either under the skin of the arm or in in the belly, And there has been one live birth confirmed from a cryopreserved transplanted tissue. So those are the current state of the offerings for women and girls with cancer. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Maurice Pickard, and today we're talking to Dr. Teresa Woodruff about fertility preservation. Dr. Woodruff, I have to think about the uh, unusual, or I should say the very promising, increasing survival rates in young girls. It must be an entirely different issue when a family is faced with a young child who has just been given a diagnosis of, say, Hodgkin's disease, and then you must talk to them about fertility. How is this handled? Well, absolutely. That is correct. And in fact, currently for a child with cancer, Since they do not have the option to undergo emergency IVF, there's not really been an opportunity for that conversation to occur. So new technology has been developed that 
maybe we'll talk about in a minute, that in fact can be now offered to that young person, as you indicate, that might have a Hodgkin's diagnosis, that will ensure that the treatment causes the loss of fertility for that particular individual. We also know that as women mature, their ovarian reserve begins to fall. Are we under more of a pressure as they, uh, with an aging group of population as opposed to a younger person in their early 30s? There is a depletion of the number of these immature follicles that are available. So an, a woman who is 39 with a cancer diagnosis would have fewer of these immature follicles within the ovarian reserve compared to a girl who is maybe 16 years old. So, in fact, the potential of the ovary for a 16-year-old for preserving her fertility is, in fact, some ways greater than a, a young woman with a, with a cancer diagnosis who is older. That said, these immature follicles are present in the ovary in excess of the needs for ovulation. At the time of birth, there are about a million follicles that are present within the ovaries of a newborn uh, baby girl. So the real anticipation and hope and work that is going on in the basic sciences is to develop methods that can take advantage of this immature cohort of follicles that represent the ovarian reserve. I see. Before we actually leave this subject, I, I can't help but think about what about the young male who has not reached puberty? Right. So that's a very uh, interesting question. For young boys who have not reached puberty, there are now several groups that are trying to work on the maturation of the immature uh, sperm cells to be able to offer uh, options for boys younger than 12 or 13. That technology is also still in the very earliest stages of research. And so for right now, there really are very few options for a boy who is prepubital with a, with a cancer diagnosis that would threaten his fertility. Do you think that doctors, internists, gynecologists, pediatricians, oncologists, since they're the ones who most often come in contact with passing the news, the unfortunate news of a cancer, are thinking enough about this is a question that I should bring up at really what might be considered a very difficult time in a patient's life. That is, have you thought about fertility? Uh, they have not. And the reason for that is multifactorial. The first of which is that their primary goal as an oncologist is to uh, work aggressively to save the life. And so the quality of life issues that will emerge later oftentimes are saved to that later time to really focus attention on, on fighting, fighting the disease. Secondly, many oncologists are unaware of the emerging technologies that are available for young cancer patients, and they're also unaware that they have to take action at the time of diagnosis prior to treatment. And many oncologists are worried that in order to offer fertility preservation, it might delay a patient's uh, interest in beginning radiation or chemotherapy. And so for a spectrum of reasons, oncologists have not really thought uh, too heavily about the fertility needs of their young cancer patients. But because of new offerings, including the uh, in vitro fertilization option for women, a new technology that we have developed, and the option for men to cryopreserve sperm, there is an emerging awareness among oncologists that offering these procedures is important. 
the next issue then is having a way to bridge the gap between an oncologist and a fertility specialist in order to navigate that particular patient very quickly into a fertility preservation option that is right for him or her. And so that relationship between an oncologist and a fertility specialist has never really been bridged in the past. And so one of the critical and defining events that we think has to occur is bringing together these disciplines in kind of a a new scholarship that we are calling oncofertility, the bridging of an oncologist and the practice of oncology together with an, an awareness of fertility preservation issues. I want to thank Dr. Teresa Woodruff, who has been our guest, and we've been discussing fertility preservation. I'm Dr. Maurice Pickard, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.